welcome once again to You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me once again in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how's it going, sir? Well, I woke up in California, and now I'm in Michigan, so that's kind of a bummer. But other than that, I'm doing well. Very well. well. I'm sure Michigan's a fine place, good people. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, let's move on. Largest Arab American community. A lot of good food in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, well, so, that is true. There's a lot of good food up there. Yes, yes, there is. Um, unfortunately, you're similar to my state, which is we touch Canada a little too close to us. A little too close. Canada touches us in a bad place. Yeah, yeah. But we'll forgive our our, our northern listeners because <laughs> it's not your fault you were born there. Oh. My, oh, my family moved out of there a hundred years ago. <laughs> I think, and I was lucky to be born. Yeah, there. but your heart's still in it. Well, the, the Quebec side, yeah. yeah. I still like visiting once a year. Uh, and uh, he had another voice, and that's uh, someone from New York. There is? Oh, that would be me. Yeah, hi, this is Mike. How are you doing, Phil? Good, good. Some people would actually say that New York is worse than Canada. Just oh, New York is New York is worse than every place, which is why we're the fucking best. <laughs> that's the way to go. And, because, and all the Canadians... that's, that's the that's the paradox of being a New Yorker. You love it and hate it simultaneously and equally with all your heart. There you go. There you go. Very well. All right. So uh, a couple of our house cleaning things. Uh, first off, uh, Eric, you actually uh, do another podcast with your buddy Dan. Isn't that true? I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Escancity Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find the podcast on the Stitcher app or on the iTunes store. Excellent. And, uh, Mike, you actually do a genre blog. Uh, yeah, it's uh, www.unnaturalselections.com, all one word. Uh, you can find it wherever the Internet is sold. Um, and, of course, you can also find me lurking on Facebook for the Dark Discussions podcast. So if anybody wants to go there and join up with Dark Discussions, hey, that'd be awesome. Uh, that's right. And uh, Eric, uh, you actually do something about dark. What, what's this thing about dark discussions and you and, and me and Mike? Hey, you know nothing about dark discussions. It's not, like you, run the, it's not like you run the damn thing. Um, <laughs> dark discussions is the original podcast that uh, you know nothing, Jen Snow, was split off of um, just because we found that doing one episode for each season of Game of Thrones was not nearly enough airtime to cover it all. Uh, so we now do now we do it week at a time on its own feed. Uh, but for communicating and uh, information purposes, you can use all the regular channels for Dark Discussions. Uh, for You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, uh, darkdiscussions.com, our Dark Discussions Facebook page, darkdiscussions at AOL.com if you want to send us an email. Yep, that's right, that's right. And um, they both are on iTunes and Stitcher, just like uh, the Ask City podcast. And also, uh, you can listen on www.darkdiscussions.com to all episodes of You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast, as well as all of the Dark Discussions podcasts as well. Which is pushing 240 episodes? It is. It is, yes. Uh, I think uh, 233 by... uh, this coming this Friday, as a matter of fact. Or, okay, yeah, so, so we'll be at two. Unless something absolutely unfortunate happens, and uh, in, in one of the upcoming weekends, we'll probably be hitting two fifty before the end of the year. Yes, that's right. That's right. And uh, every two, two every fiftieth episode, we do a uh, big movie. Tentpole. 
a tent pole movie, as, as you call it, Arco. And Dark Discussions actually uh, just had its fifth year uh, uh, anniversary. So five years in existence. So just over yeah. five years now. So. Yeah, not one of these fly-by-night things that do like three episodes and disappear. Yes, there's a lot of those. Or, or do an episode once every two months and... Yeah, you know, whenever they feel like it, type either. So, and that's because those websites, those podcasts, do not have a fill. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, we I have guess, a yeah. we have a fill that does all of our our, our hard work. That's true. Uh, that's true. And without a fill, your podcast is screwed. Yeah, I see your point, Mike. But but with, without you guys too, there's no podcast. So there you go. Yeah, but oh. we have the easy part. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. We sit here and bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And pick on me a lot too, but that's all right. Oh, you kind of bring it on yourself there, Phil. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we all bust each other all the time anyway. So we don't bust enough on Christy. We need to bust on Christy more. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yes. Maybe maybe we're sexist. Maybe we're easy on her. Yes, that's it. We're we're being far too sexist. We're letting the girls off easy. We need to have just one one episode dedicated to misogyny. Oh jeez! But uh, we've done some movies that are pretty close. I'll tell you that. But but uh, but dark discussions is is a genre podcast that discusses horror, film, science fiction films, fantasy films, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, cult, exploitation, gr- uh, driving, whatever uh, a nerd would like. Uh, we discuss those films. We randomly pick uh, films weekly. A lot of new films every so often. An older film. Uh, and there's five co-hosts, the three of us, plus Christy and Abe, who join us. So uh, you go check that out. That's a weekly podcast, just like You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. So um, let's see here. Mike, uh, a couple of things about You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, we're going to be in attendance at two conventions. Yeah, this is, uh, for us, it's groundbreaking. It is not groundbreaking for the rest of the, of nerddom. Um, but we've actually been invited as hosts, or, or guests, sorry, not hosts, uh, to the Scaricon New England Convention, which is on June 3rd, 4th, and 5th, uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, we just did a quick interview with the person running the convention, uh, JV Johnson, and that will be up shortly. Uh, and we will be there with a table. Uh, promoting the Dark Discussions podcast. Uh, we may do a recording. It's, it, this is, this kind of came about very quickly, so we're sort of doing it on the fly. Uh, there are two panels about podcasting, uh, which will be, jo- and we will be joined by, uh, hosts from other podcasts, uh, that are also there. And uh, what were some of those, uh, Phil? They were. Oh, uh, Trick or Treat Radio, uh, out of Worcester, or Greater Worcester, Massachusetts. I think actually Grafton, Massachusetts. Um, and then there was like four or five others that I, it slipped my mind what the names of them, but you can find it right on the scarecon.com website. There's a link, um, for all the pages of all the podcasts that will be there. And like you said, Mike, there'll be about six or seven, including us. They just put up our picture today, as a matter of fact. Oh, cool. Um, and it's, uh, it's scarecon.com, one word. And then you click on scarecon New England. There's also scarecon New York, uh, which is a little bit further north by Syracuse. Uh, so here is Trick or Treat Radio, The Dorkening, uh, Scream Sisters, Big Scary Show, Dr. Chris Radio of Horror, and hey, look, Dark Discussions. 
using our classic Dark Discussions logo. Um, so those are all going to be there, and there's a show, uh, was it, a, a panel on Friday and a panel on Sunday, and we are going to have to discuss on uh, how to split that up. Well, uh, I'm, think, I'm thinking I'll do this Friday night one and you do the Sunday because I don't know if I'll be able to be there for the Sunday one because Sunday our family – or my wife's family, I should say, is celebrating Father's Day slash father-in-law's birthday on Sunday. So I may have to leave a little early on Sunday. Right. So that's that's the Scarecon, and anybody who happens to be in the New England area, um, or with or, or is willing to travel to the New England area, or who is fabulously wealthy and has their own private jet and wants to fly into the New England area, uh, you can go to Scarecon weekend again. That's uh, uh, June third, uh, fourth, and fifth. Uh, some of the guests that are there, Ernie Hudson, Adrian Barbeau, um, Tony Moran, the original Michael Myers, Derek Mears from Friday the 13th, um, uh, what, PJ Souls from Halloween and Carrie and the Devil's Rejects, uh, Butch Patrick from the Munsters, um, Tom Atkins from all the movies that they made in the 80s, um, like Lethal Weapon, Night of the Creeps, uh, Halloween 3, you know, so... A lot of people there um, of all sorts, but most importantly, Mike and Phil from Dark Discussions Podcast will be there. <laughs> um, we, and oh. we know that we know we know their their ticket sales have just jumped now that they've added us to the like ninth page on the on the site. Uh, and, and folks should uh, consider going not just for the convention, but you can make it even a longer w- week because they do have uh, some fine museums. In the Springfield, Massachusetts area, including the Basketball Hall of Fame. Oh, there you go. Or go, go, go to Fenway and boo the Red Sox. Anyway, they also um, have a a Six Flags as well. They fit, so. can fit out the whole Six Flags in your little tiny state there. That's <laughs> yep. That's okay. right. It used to be um, um, a different park years ago, uh, Riverside Park, I think it was called, back in the seventies and eighties, and they. Then Six Flags came in, bought it out, and made it the monster that it is today. Okay, and the other convention we're going to be doing is the Scares of Care Weekend on July 22nd, 23rd, 24th. This is in Williamburg, Williamsburg, Virginia, um, at the uh, Williamsburg Doubletree uh, Hilton Hotel. That hotel is already booked solid, uh, so that sold out. But because it's literally right next door to another, uh, is it Six Flags or Great Adventure? One it's of Six Flags. George right, uh, so to, Bush Garden, who knows? Bush Garden, yeah. What is it? To, to, it's next door to another theme amusement park, and I'm sorry, I can't remember which one. Um, I mean, it's literally like you're heading to the gate, and you quickly turn, and you're in the hotel. Um, and this is in its third year. This one, but this one's different because it's raising funds for families in need. Um, and this is my third time going, but Phil will be there, and Eric will be there, and Patrick Lacey will be there. So it's going to be a great big dark discussions. Um, party party there you go and uh it's always a lot of fun it's a smaller convention uh so you usually have some good time getting easy time getting to the guests but you have um william b davis and um crap who's the other guy uh mitch plaggy mitch plaggy both from the x-files right that's uh uh director skinner and the cigarette smoking man. And in fact, they just set up. There's going to be a um, uh, 100 photo opportunities to get your picture done professionally with both Davis and Pelegi together. Uh, it's a $60 fee, 
but given what some of these people charge for pictures and autographs at conventions, it's that's not that bad a deal. And again, a lot of the money is going to charity. You've got uh, Sid Haig from Devil's Rejects, Jackie Brown, and, and scores and scores of other films. Dee Wallace from E.T., Cujo, The Howling, The Frighteners. Uh, William Forsyth, also from uh, Devil's Rejects. You've got um, Danny Lloyd from The Shining. Um, R.J. Hattie and Roy Woolley from uh, Face Off are always there. Bob Gunton from uh, Shawshank Redemption and Dolores Claiborne. Uh, the new uh, Daredevil series, first season, he was a, one of the players in that. So uh, William Zadkin, Martin Cove from uh, The Karate Kid. A lot of people there going to see but most importantly of course are uh are us we're going to be there we're not now unfortunately here we're not invited as guests we are invited we're there as uh as vendors uh just to promote the podcast and we'll be selling some stuff to raise funds for the charity uh but it's always a good time to be had there may be more guests coming soon that will be announced shortly um but yeah i would strongly recommend uh stopping in yep exactly and on uh, both conventions Unlike uh, some of the guests, me, Mike, Eric, Patrick Lacey won't charge a thing for our autographs. And you could take a picture with us, too. No, in fact, I'm actually going to be paying people for my autograph. Um, if, if, you feel, if you're at the convention, you feel something dragging behind you, look down. I'm probably holding on, screaming, crying, somebody for attention. Pay attention to me! Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always a good time. And these are, I've been to, to, uh, the cattle call conventions, you know, these are huge conventions with like huge guests and that have like seven hour waiting lines. I've never been to ScareCon. This is their first event in New England. I have no idea what this is going to be like, but Scares of Care is a much smaller event. Um, and therefore it ends up being a little bit more intimate. Um, the hotel service is fantastic and they bend over backwards to make sure everybody, um, is happy there. So I strongly recommend, you know, hitting, if you can, come to ScareCon, come to uh, the Scares of Care weekend. Excellent. Very well. All right. So let's move into the next section, and, and that's uh, any Game of Thrones news not related directly to uh, our latest episode, The Door, but just in general. Uh, Eric or Mike, uh, do you guys have any information or things that you wanted to mention? Uh, well, I, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I know some people are out of work, but that's uh, <laughs> that has to do with tonight's episode. Right. Um, I also found uh, Joanna Robinson, who, uh, in addition to co-hosting a couple of Game of Thrones podcasts herself, she uh, she's on a podcast called Cast of Kings with David Chen, uh, where they discuss the show spoiler-free. Uh, and then she's also on a show called Storm of Spoilers, uh, where they spoil the crap out of the show and discuss all sorts of wild theories. Um and in addition to that, she's a writer for Vanity Fair, and she uh, tweeted out a link to one of her old articles from uh, 2014 uh, about how George R. R. Martin had a plan to stay ahead of the show with his books. <laughs> <laughs> so I found that kind of amusing. Um, Eric, I, I actually uh, listened to their latest podcast, uh, Mr. Chen and, and Ms. Robinson's latest podcast, and I was very impressed with their opinion of um, last week's episode, which was completely opposite from what Mike said. Mike thought it was pretty cool how Daenerys took p charge herself. It wasn't the two uh -huh. men that saved her or the or the dragons. And yet right. uh, Ms. Robinson, uh, especially though Chen as well, um, thought it was ridiculous and thought they should have 
had the dragons or something to do what they did. And they thought it was unrealistic because of uh, how the the big, strong Dorothraki men did nothing. Uh, so and I was impressed because she was unbiased. Because usually when I listen to her podcast, I kind of feel that she's a little – looks at it differently well, than most people. But Joanna, I was very Joanna is what they call a, a, a uh, social justice warrior. Uh, so her view of things does get uh, colored by that at some points. Well, yeah. wait a minute, wait, wait. But my understanding of the social justice warrior is that she would have been happy that. Now, I like the fact that Daenerys did what she did because it's Daenerys as a character needs to be but strong. That, that was my, my point. My, that was my but point. But she wasn't. Is, is that she was used an unbiased opinion rather than her her left leaning. So she wasn't saying, well, sisters are doing it for themselves. Yeah, right, exactly. they're all power. All right, you know, good for her. Yeah, I was impressed that, that she used her own logic rather than her mm-hmm. own, I guess, belief system to judge the scene. And I, I thought that was that was uh, amazing, actually, Eric. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> well, I hope she listens to the upcoming misogyny episodes of, of Dark Discussions. Because oh, be- boy. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome. So, I can't yeah, wait to get it your fault. Yeah, you know it's it's and it's all and I, I have a feeling we're going to get differing views on tonight's episode. But uh, you know, some people prefer one thing, some people prefer another. Um, I, I'm open for. See, I, I, Let's get into it. Yeah, I, it's you know I'm just well, saying some people I think if this don't get ha- aren't happy if things don't come out the way they expect. Like, oh, I really want the dragons to come and save her, and they don't get dragon action. They're a little bummed. Um, hopefully, that's not it. It's just. You know, uh, Chen did make a good point. He goes, "Well, maybe they just don't have enough money to to have the dragons appear, and they wanted to use that twenty one million dollars for episode nine. <laughs> yeah, that's, and, and that's that that's a, that's could be a part of it, but I think it's a, it's a matter of they, if that's the case, they found a way to do it that sort of forwards the character. Um, did you by any chance see the article I, I just kind of sent to you? Uh, yes, it was like, yes, me, me and Eric uh, both read the article. Um, before we get into that article, Mike, uh, one last thing I wanted to mention was yeah. that George R. R. Martin has come out publicly and said that Targaryens are not fireproof, and therefore this is a Benioff and Weiss uh, creation. Uh, Targaryens aren't fireproof because we saw her sister, her sister, her brother, killed with the molten gold, uh, and we'd seen him burn himself. She's been fireproof in the well, show. Let me let me rephrase. He said that Daenerys. In his, as well, would, in his books, will not be fireproof. And okay. that's fine. At this point, the books and the show are two separate things. Yeah, I just wanted to yep. bring that up. Uh, uh, my, my point, because I guess the fans have said that the uh, the dragon birth scene at the end of season, season one was supposed to be a one-time event. Yeah, because of the magic right. and all that that was happening at the same time. But, exactly. but, on, but on the show, and I can't speak to the books, on the show, they did show going through season one, Moments where she did things like touch the eggs after they'd been sitting in a fire, yeah. uh, sitting in scalding hot uh, water, you know, and not being bothered by it. So right. this so is they, something that the show has established from the beginning, and yeah. nobody pit bitched and moaned about it back in season one. Yes, I, I'm just mentioning what RJ, uh, well, George R. R. Martin said. That's and that's also not entirely true. A few, a, few, a few people did. They always do. There's always yes. a crowd. Yeah, exactly. well. There's even a website that's an anti- uh, show website, and I, I used to read it all the time just for this curiosity's sake. But I, I forgot, I forgot the uh, the the address because oh, well. uh, yeah, so well, yeah. oh well. So there's, anyway, a, Mike, there's yeah, too there's, many negative assholes out there. There's there's a 
there's an article that you uh, sent to me and Eric, and uh, I've been on this bo- this article's bandwagon for a long time because of how uh, I've noticed certain things and aspects of the character. But explain this article that you thought was curious. Well, the idea is, is saying that for all the good intentions that Daenerys has, that they, they believe she's being set up to be the villain. Now, I think there's a little bit of questionable logic here saying, like, well, we know the she's a Targaryen and the Mad King was a Targaryen. Just because you have one, you know, nutcase in your family tree doesn't mean you're going to be, you know, uh, a bad guy. But uh, as, as I, I dis- uh, discussed last week, Mike, too, all the Baratheons... Uh, brothers, uh, Renly, Rob, and Stannis were all one quarter Targaryen. So, and so you're right, they, and I wouldn't necessarily call them necessarily pure evil by any means, or, or going to become pure evil. So. No, and I don't think that it's a case of, um, and I want to avoid Daenerys becoming the queen of the Iron Throne simply because she's a Targaryen, because you know the whole that's the right family on the throne is a little bit retro. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's the idea that yeah she does tend to when she she has this instinct to burn people alive, <laughs> uh, and, oh, and, she, and crucify them on crosses and stuff. And yeah, and when she does it, she gets you know, and you could see that in how she set the um, uh, the cows on fire last week. That she kind of enjoyed doing it. Although let's be honest, they were a bag of dicks, right? So I, I, I don't know. It you're absolutely right. They were, but depending on your perspective. Some people would have considered them in that culture maybe fine. I don't know, but well, yeah, that's that. That's their culture, and the question is whether you want to judge their culture or not. You know, because it's a culture in which people are enslaved and they rape women. But you know, those are their values. Who are we to judge? <laughs> um, yeah. So there's that, and if you if they're not going to have Danny as one of the, I guess as one of the final, you know, people sitting on the throne, certainly her. And I, I would say the big thing is her frustrations at not being able to get done what she wants done, right? Meaning stopping the slavery, bringing people under, you know, to to cooperate with her. She's like, well, can't they understand? I'm trying to do it for their best, you know. This, the, no, this no, could... no, 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 they can't understand. That. No, and and so and there are there are certainly a lot of cases of people in charge who may be well intentioned, uh, but they end up. You know, turning on their people and they're seizing power to make the people take what they insist that they must want because it's it's what will make their lives better whether they want Anakin, it or not. Anakin Skywalker. Well, Anakin Skywalker certainly, and we could we could talk about things in in real life, but I don't want to get into the politics here because Eric is going to have a have great. a brain, have brain. Yes. Caesar, yes, yes, Caesar. So and and there's really no way to do it because it would depend on with especially American politics people who are on one side of the aisle or the other, you know, whoever you bring up, they'll get pissed off. So we're not going to go there. Um, but, yes, yeah, so it is possible that she just may end up saying, you know what, fuck you all, I'm going to torch these cities down because you won't let me end slavery. So you're all yeah. going to die. And we'll all go, that doesn't make any sense, and she'll say, I'm the queen, screw you, I'll do what I want. I've got dragons, so, and now you're on fire. Right. But Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they go that way. But this is, of course, the problem. You feel you have said that you want a twist. You want surprise. And this could be yes. a twist or a surprise, sure. except as they drag this out over multiple seasons, people start figuring out possibilities. And, you know, by the end, you know, the, the, we've heard every possible theory as to why it will be Podrick sitting on the Iron Throne. And someone out there goes, see, I said it all along. 
Well, well that's that's why I, I always thought Stannis was going to get to the throne because no, you know, like out of every Game of Thrones fans, there's maybe like two that like Stannis, and then like twenty like Snow or or Daenerys. And so I'm thinking, oh, the twist would be putting Stannis there because people wouldn't expect it, or you know, Snow will join up with him or something. Here's so the thing, though, have- it, as the show goes on longer and longer, people, I mean, this show has been under a microscope for years now, and just about every single possibility has been explored by uh, the fan base and critics and whatnot. Um, so Phil keeps on saying, I just want something that's a surprise, something that's out of left field. I don't know if they can do that anymore because it gets torn down to such a microscopic level every single week. Uh, I, I don't think there's such a thing as being able to surprise us with this show anymore. Cause even if it's something that say in the middle of last season, if you told us that was going to happen, would have been a surprise by the time we get there, it's no longer going to be a surprise. Right, and for example, uh, would be Sansa, Team Sansa, because you know mm-hmm. suddenly she looks like oh she could possibly now be uh, you know part of the in the fray as as Bailis calls you know and while fray. <laughs> oh, but and like, she and she has certainly ago, we wouldn't have thought so but yeah yeah ahead. well and she's turned a corner but done so in a way that is I think consistent with the character in the narrative it wasn't a that's right. We need so to change the character up and do it. So, so let's get let's, into the episode. Talk about Sansa because she did some kicking ass. All and right. Stuff. So, uh, yeah, yeah, let's get into the episode because Eric's about to have another seizure. So, Eric, you're supposed to laugh. I guess that wasn't funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So, let's, yeah, all right. Let's get into the episode. So, uh, this episode is called The Door. Um, first time uh, Game of Thrones uh, director. Uh, this is his second episode. Uh, no, actually, this may be his first episode. Uh, what's his name? Bender. You guys know that Bender? Yeah, this is this is the first of his two. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's called the door. Um, it is almost a half point. So at the end of this episode is the half point of the season. Um, and yeah, that's that's all I got about the the setup to the episode. So let's just get into the episode and talk about it. Uh, uh, it starts off right away. Um, with Sansa, as we discussed, right, Eric? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, th- I really thought the Sansa stuff was some of my favorite stuff this episode. Um, the first thing that happens is she gets a raven um, from... Who, Baelish. It was from oh, oh, no, no. Baelish, uh, the, yeah. No, the veil. The veil. Isn't it the veil? It's either the uh, veal or It's, or it's Littlefinger. Yeah. yeah. So Right. Uh, basically, she sneaks off to talk to Littlefinger without telling anybody, except for Brienne, that she takes with her. Um, and I really, really love this scene um, because she does not let Baelish off the hook one little bit. Um, she basically, she meets up with him and is like, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, selling me off to the Boltons, you fucking dick. Uh <laughs> Do you know what they did to me? Uh, did, did you know about Ramsey? If you didn't, you're stupid. And if you did, you're my enemy. So which is it? Um, <laughs> I really liked her approach to that. It put, immediately putting him in a no-win position. Yeah, um, I, I, Eric, if I could interject. I think um, it was uh, a, a pretty impressive moment for Sansa. Though I would like to counter and say that Billish... Um, had uh, was going to took it well. In other words, there was a chance that he was going to get killed, 
whether he believes Sansa right. would actually tell Brienne to do it, she said she would. And Baelish could have begged for his life, and he was going to, he said. But then she she says, how about if I, would you die for me then if you're that loyal? And he goes, yeah, if you want to kill me now, do it. And so I, I'm impressed with a lot of these characters because they, they a lot of them die or are willing to die with dignity in the show, either right. in a bad, that, good, or somewhere in the middle. That's true, but he was squirming. And, uh, I, yeah, like one of my favorite things about this episode is both Littlefinger and uh, Varys we get to see squirm, which is not something that happens on a regular basis. And uh, so I, the both, both the guys that are normally the puppet masters kind of get cornered at one point. And I think the reason Baelish, specifically staying on, on this scene, uh, squirms is because I honestly believe he had no idea what the hell happened. In other words, he fucked up that whole situation and he knows he fucked it up because yeah. he didn't do his research on Ramsey well enough because probably there was no research about Ramsey because he was like just another bastard until right. his, you know he, he became legal, I guess. So... Yeah, I think he was legitimately confused at the situation when Sansa confronted him. Yep, yeah, but I, I, she did a really good job of holding his feet to the fire. Yeah, the one thing you could say about Littlefinger is he does his homework, uh, and he doesn't often get caught with his pants down, but Ramsey pantsed him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, without and, – and so – and I do think, and we've talked about this, his weakness was always for Caitlin Stark and Sansa as her daughter. And I think he's talked about how much she reminds him of her. Yes. I think he has a weakness for her. So I really don't think he would have done what he did. I think it would pain him just to marry him off to anybody other than himself. Right. Um, but to, to marry him off to, to a, a monster like that. And a great performance by Sophie Turner uh, in... And not saying what she went through, and but still showing like the hurt and the anger and the rage of having of you know when she's like, I can still feel it, you know. Well, I actually, um, well, well, she, line that, is she, she says she goes, I'm not talking about ooh, I can feel it in my broken heart. I'm talking about yes. I can still feel it. Yes. No, no, no. But he, she says it even more double uh, meaning. She goes, I could, I what I can, I can still feel what he did inside me. Yeah, which was not implanted in alien embryo. But um, what I also liked is this is in Molestown. Now, Molestown is like the the nearest dump near the wall. And I'm pretty sure that was in the yeah, that's brothel. Where Gil- that's where Gilly um, right. was. We first met Gilly. No, not met Gilly. Oh, no, we, no, we met Gilly on the other side of the wall. This you're, is you're where, right. That was where he brought Gilly. Right, that's where Sam brought Gilly to be safe, and then the wildlings destroyed it. Um, and that's, I'm pretty sure that's the destroyed brothel, and I thought how appropriate that he still finds himself in a brothel. Um, but, of course, symbolically, the, the brothel is, is destroyed as his plans have kind of gone up in smoke. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, was a, it was a really neat scene, and I thought it was really neat um, how that worked with, uh, with Littlefinger. And let me just check my notes here because uh, I, I think there was something about was she was she sewing at the beginning of the scene? Yes, yes, she was. Yeah, yes, okay. And I thought that was neat because um, on a lark, I rewatched the first episode of, of the first season. Yes, yeah, so, uh, with with Dom or, or Auntie Dom or whatever her name is. 
Right, but she yeah, that's how we first meet Sansa. She's yeah. she's doing needlework with Arya. Yep. It was um, a so it's definitely yeah. So that was definitely a callback. But where there she's doing it as the uh, this flighty little girl. Uh, here she's sort of doing it as a active political protest. Right, she's making herself a, a a as we see later, she's making herself a dress with a direwolf crest on it, which is a massive finger to Ramsay. Uh, and, and she's she's basically remaking her father's cloak for her bastard brother, um, which is again just which is a second finger. Well, it, well, I, I I didn't look at it as that way, Mike, but that's a fair point. I was looking at it as a nationalistic pride. Well, it, it is, a, but it's but it's it's standing up, it's reclaiming the Stark heritage, and say fuck you, we're the Starks, we're here, we're coming for you, you stupid fucking raping bastard. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't get it. I see your point. Yeah, yeah, I, I, but I, I always I just looked at it straight as nationalistic pride. Now let's go to battle. But I, but I guess it's the same thing. It's just a man. Yeah, it's it's all it's all kind of it's a lot yeah. of some of stuff wrapped up in one by just that one symbolic act. So yeah. as opposed well, to again, also, I want and not I want to look pretty for Joffrey. Yeah. Right? No, it's uh, it's definitely the family heritage Stark because uh, I think she's also trying to help John out by giving him something with direwolf sigil on it. Uh, because he's going to need some cred uh, as he's trying to lead this army to Winterfell. Also, it's feminist power, because it's just like running in heels like, away from dinosaurs. It's sowing <laughs> to, to in, in a symbolic act of protest and nationalism. Okay, if you say so. Phil. Feminist power. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so I, I really like the sounds of scenes this week. Um. Yeah. Is, that, is there anything else to say about that? Well, uh, yeah, simply, there's two things. Well, I, Go ahead, Phil. I, I just want to say one thing, which is quick, which is Sansa is the best team. Sansa. That's all. Okay, Mike. Okay, two things. One, I like they called out the blackfish. Um, oh yeah, see, that's important. We did not yeah. see the blackfish this episode, but if you go back to season three, the black. Remember the the yeah the idiot. Uh, Tully nephew who couldn't hit the funeral pyre, right? It was with the bow and arrow. Yes. Yeah, that, that was uh, that was what's his face's uh, Caitlin's brother, I think. Yep. Um, and so yeah, and so Bla- and, and Blackfish was the one that had to sh- that, that burn the pyre. Right. Yes, right. And and he he what happened was he had to go take a leak when right before the red wedding happened, and so he he was not one of the victims. That's Correct. that's why he escaped the red wedding was because he was taking a leak. He he goes, I gotta take a leak or something. He leaves screen and then the red wedding happens and then we never see him again, but you can assume that he sees what's happening and he has no chance and he escapes is what we can assume. Right. Right. And the other thing is mentioning he's got his forces over at, at Mo Kalen, which I think is is the Reed family that has uh, that. No no, I, I thought it oh I thought it was at he wasn't there. I thought he was at the at the Tully house. Wasn't he? No, he said well, you've got the Blackfish has rallied the Tully forces, and he says that his forces from the the Airy um, are at Mokalen, so they're and they're ready to go. But it's interesting that Sansa rebuffed those forces because what the hell does oh, he do oh, now? Oh, you're talking about Baelish, yeah, yeah Baelish's right. forces. Yeah. Um, so you know we may see uh, what's his name, Howlin Reed. Is he, does Howlin is Howlin Reed still alive at this point? No one Aaron? knows. I'm no unsure. Knows. Some, you're unsure. There's okay. even a rumor that Howlin Reed. Is the sparrow? 
What? That's one of the rumors, yeah. Well, all right. Uh, but I heard he's Howard, Arya. Howard <laughs> Reed was one of the great leaders during the Robert Rebellion who, after the Rebellion, kind of just disappeared. And I would think somebody would recognize him, though. Yeah, well, yeah, the whole thing is very odd. So we may actually finally meet, We well, we met him as a, in, in you know, the flashback, but we may actually meet Howard Reed now, who is like one of those mysterious characters that is always mentioned in the books that has never been seen, even in the books. Right. All right. And so let's jump forward then, because we come back to this later. We do. We do. Uh, and and the important thing is that, of all of it, the most important thing is that we see Tormund making sexy eyes to Brienne. <laughs> I was a little sad this week because the first time it happened, I thought she might be kind of into it. But uh, this week it's made clear that she oh, yeah. really does. She's really not into Tormund, and that's unfortunate because I well, want to see them hook up. I think she, you know what? I think she's just being stupid because she goes, that strange man, and, you know, whatever. And, and it, I think she's just clueless. Well, I, I, I do. Think th- you're right, but I still think they're not going to hook up. So I think I think she's clueless, but I also think she's got um, – Well, she doesn't trust any of them. She thinks well, she, they're – even though that's Sansa's brother – or half brother, and and then his quote unquote friends, she still doesn't trust any of them. Right, but I also think she's got self image problems. Right, she's still Brienne the Beast in her eyes. Right, she's she's she she doesn't want to be a lady, and she doesn't want to be all frou frou and, and all the rest. You know, she doesn't want to be you know a season one Sansa, and she never has. Um, but I, I also think that she she's she just defines herself so much by her job, but she thinks I don't think she thinks anybody could be attracted to her. And if she's right. and and if and if Tormund is attracted to her, as she is, not in she's not made up in a dress and and made all prettified, well he's clearly something wrong with him. Right. So I so really I think just for Brienne I think it would be awesome to see him, in whatever his wildling way is, find a way to woo her and and let her know that hey no babe you're a catch. I'm well, into you. Sadly, I think this is that way. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just... Tor- Torben making his sexy eyes is as good as it gets. I'm just saying I hope he makes some progress. Okay. Yeah, all, all he has to do is ask her... Uh, well, not on a date, because there's nowhere to go. But but uh, ask her to have a, a beer with him. And then maybe maybe it would work. But he's, he's too stupid. <laughs> they ain't coming to you. You have to go and ask the girl out. So he yeah. has to do it. You know? And it's just with all the other shit. The idea here's one. This is a, the hopeless romantic in us that we want. Here we want the two two of the three monstrosities. We'll leave the mountain out. Um, just hoping they find <laughs> a little bit of love, right? You know, in this mixed up crazy crazy Westeros of ours. You know, it's just uh, giant. Giant people deserve love too. Yes. Right. Well, well in, in the mountain you can't include because he he raped his sister. He crushed yeah. his skulls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um, um, but what's what, do you want to just finish this story off? Uh, yeah, I think with you. Um, you know, they, that, yeah, she sends uh, Sansa sends Brienne off to River Run, uh, saying that we can't afford to. Yeah, to talk to the blackfish. Right, to, to black talk that we can't afford. And what I love is, she said, well, I don't want to, I'm not sure about leaving you. She said, don't you trust John? And this was, you know, a sort of breaking the fourth wall moment. 
where she says, well, no, I, I think John's a good and honorable man. He's a bit broody, though. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. It was uh, awesome. And, and that crazy, that crazy red-haired guy with the beard. That's what she brings up. Yep. Uh, what's it? Uh, but um, she, there was an interesting thing here is, and they talk about it after the show, uh, Benny Wass and Weiss in the um, extra five minutes after the show on the HBO Now, and I'm sure you saw it too, Eric, which is they said that Baelish, who says your brother, he's only your half-brother, by the way, so you should probably go talk to the Blackfish, who's a, a true Tully like you. And when he says that, it makes Sansa doubt John. And I didn't think it came across well enough, and I was still curious why she didn't tell the truth, but I didn't think right. it was because it's she a, didn't trust a, Jon Snow. It's but, a little weird, and and yeah. I thought Brienne was justified in asking her question, well, if you trust him, why'd you lie to him? And she doesn't really have a good answer for that. Well, because I don't think she wants to admit her involvement with Littlefinger. I think she's embarrassed by the whole thing, and it also just brings up all the shit that because he's going to say, well, why did you turn down his forces? And that's going to force her to kind of say, because he sold me to a guy who raped me repeatedly. And right. I don't think she wants to go and have that conversation. I'm sure right. she I'm sure she knows that John knows that he did things like that to her. But neither one of them want to discuss it. Right. Right. And you know what? And it was another thing I was thinking of, too, which is her friendliness with Baelish could mean that. Baelish is that's bad because Baelish is still working in theory with the Lannisters, and even though Baelish grew up and was basically with the Tully family his whole life until he moved to King's Landing, the point is is that this moment and this time he technically still has some allegiance to Lannisters. Well, At least publicly, he's he's that way. Uh, right? he, Littlefinger works with people, but his allegiance is to himself. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. But publicly, if yeah. people said, "Who do you? Who does Baelish uh, belong to?" They would say the Lannisters, or at least the King, right? King Tom. Right, the King. Uh huh. Yeah. So, I maybe uh, that's what I thought. Why she didn't want to talk about it, but then, um, I, I like what you said, Mike. Which is that one sounds the most legit. Everything you said, Mike. Well, because people always say, it's like, well, it doesn't make sense why they would do that. Well, people aren't sensible creatures. People act a lot with emotion, and this is a really emotional sore spot for her. Right? Yeah. And, this is, and, and, I think, and that's part of it, is that if she's confronted on it, she can't give a good answer. Right, unless she gonna, tells and, the truth, right? Right, and she, and she, but all she can say is there's the, the logical truth and there's the emotional truth, and the emotional truth is way too painful for her to keep revisiting. I do, however, suspect um, that Littlefinger's army is not going home. Uh, and that he will be there for her for her in her time of need if such a need arises. Um, right. That's my suspicion because he he has to be part of the game and he has to and now he really he has screwed up and he has to in his own perverse way try to make it right. Yeah, whether he wants to make it right for her or he wants to make it right so he doesn't have enemies because that's uh, that's more apt too because probably a bit of the both. Yeah. You know, well, let's go into the second part of this whole thing before we move to the other scenes, which is simply uh, when they're talking about the families. So they're saying that the Carstocks aren't going to join because Rob killed 
the leader of the Kostak. So forget them. And then Sansa agrees. And then the Umbers, they don't trust, which if that's the case and the Umbers are truly uh, not loyal to the Starks, even if they're only semi-loyal to the Boltons, that would eliminate the Trojan horse uh, aspect, right? Um, but either way, they move to this next thing, which is if we get all the rest of the houses, then that's more than the, the Boltons, the Karstocks, and the Umbers together. And the thing is, is it's going to be a slow process, but they're willing to do it. So it's probably going to be the rest of the season where we're going to see them going to every, you know, every house and having them right. uh, pick them up. And one of them is probably going to be Howland Reed's house as well. Um, which will be curious to see. And maybe that's where they meet up with Littlefinger Mike, because when they get to Howland Reed's house, then they're going to see Littlefinger there, and then they get both their armies, and then that's how Littlefinger will be reintroduced to the fray, in a sense, maybe. Well, it wouldn't shock me. Like, we left... We didn't see Sansa and Brienne two weeks ago, um, because they were traveling to the Wall. And this would be a perfect opportunity for them next week. Like, we didn't get anything with King's Landing. King's, King's Landing is going to be big next week, is what it appears to be, anyway. Right. So, yeah. they may, they, I could see them sidelining this because they've already said, we're going to go around, we're going to raise, meet all these 93 different lords and whatever. And we know the audience doesn't really give a shit about any of that. Right. But, <laughs> but so, right now, they're going to travel. Brienne has to travel there, and we're going to put them in the in the cupboard. And then in two weeks, we'll come back, and Brienne will have made it to the Tullys, and we'll see the Blackfish. And John will show up at some point, either that episode or the episode after, and say, hey, look at all the dudes I got to sign on. I right. think you're right. absolutely right. Or maybe they'll have, like, one just to show he's doing it and how he's doing it, but they're not going to show us. Well, that'll be the, the that'll be the that'll be the uh, How and Reed and Littlefinger uh, one. That's where they're gonna come back. I bet. Okay, I they guess. might. Yeah. And now that now that let me see, uh, we're in episode five. Yep. So that would could get us to like episode. Just take an episode off. To, that could get us to episode eight, and we know something big happened in episode eight last year. So that's always possible. That's where the Winterfell thing happens. If not, there's episode nine, which we know from past experience from at least two previous seasons. The big battle gets built up to episode nine. Uh-huh. In in the even numbered seasons, right? You had the the battle of the Blackwater and the battle at the Wall. Yep. Right. So. All right. All right. So, what was next? What was the next scene that came up? Or, or we don't even have to well, go I, in I, order. I was going to say, I do not even think doing chronological order is the best way yeah. to do this anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I do. Uh, I do think. By the way, I have a feeling that we just got the end of the of the Wall. That. Oh. Uh, that was a great line when when they leave the, finally leave John and everybody leaves to go to the first house whichever the house that is to try to rally the troops. Um, one of the the King's Watch, I mean uh, one of the Black Watch comes to Ed and he goes, uh, Lord Commander, should we shut the door now? And he looks at it and goes, I'm not Lord Commander. And then there's just and then he looks silence. around and he's like, Oh shit, I, I am Lord Commander. Yeah. He goes, Yes, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I guess we should shut the door now. Yeah, yeah, that was clear, clear. Clearly, Ed needed to do a rewatch of last week's episode, <laughs> where he was yeah. clearly, or two weeks ago, right when you said, "Um, my watch has ended." He said, "Here's the cloak. Here you go. Here's the keys. Here's it's all yours. I'm gone. It's all yours. Yep. 
Uh, well, I'm so, hoping it's not the end of the watch because I would love to see uh, the Black Watch join the fray as well. And they're probably but there's gonna, like five of them left. So. There's going to be some sort something happen because the, well, when the White Walkers or the others, yeah, people, I was going to say we, we have to see the, the wall, wall at least one more time to understand how the White Walkers get past it. Yeah, they go they go anywhere they want because there's a big freaking wall, right? They can. I, oh. I, I don't think there's anything significant going to happen to the wall at this point. Oh, I'm, I'm with Eric. There's going to be one more. Uh, there's going to be a battle at the wall when the White Walkers come because we had the but, Wildling battle. Now we're going to have the White Walkers. Yeah, but, but but they're all dead, right? There's there's dead. only a, there, there's only a couple of of um, Night no, Watch it, left left alive. They're going to they're going to the troops are going to come. Well, they're gonna defend the, the wall. Thing, the wall is still massive, <laughs> uh, and I believe it's been magically warded as well. Uh, which is where I think the whole thing with Bran comes in in order for the uh, White Walkers to be able to get past the wall. All right, all right, we'll see. I, I mean, I'd like to see him again, but it just, it felt it kind of felt like a wrap up. But anyway, all right, what was the next one we wanted well, to get to? I, I'm, I'm with uh, Eric. I'm with you. So let's hit a couple things that we probably didn't uh, care about so much this week, uh, but they happened. So we that, didn't that, that you didn't care about. I have a feeling I know where you're going. Uh, yeah, well, one one is um, uh, Marine. <laughs> Marine wasn't very, at least to me, it was kind of boring this week. Um, although we do get an interesting scene with Ferris, who gets uh, rocked back on his heels a little bit. Uh, basically, what happens there is that they're trying to rally support, and Tyrion has an idea that they might be able to enlist the help of uh, the Red Woman down south. Not uh, not the witch from up north, but a different one. Uh, and he it actually her supposed in. to be... Be the the head witch, I think. Oh, well, the whole religion? It, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like the pope, the 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 pope of the red witch religion. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's 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 what okay. I got uh, out of it. But yeah, go I on. I thought she was just another witch. Well, as a Roman Seen Catholic, I'd like to file a complaint that we've never had a pope that hot. <laughs> the He's woman got that a plays too. The woman that plays. Oh, that's a good point, Eric. Uh, the woman that plays that character. Um, is the same actress that starred in uh, the Israeli film Rabies. It was the brunette. Okay, that, That's just uh, some interesting trivia, I thought, because uh, Mike, I know, likes that film. I knew that woman. I said, I know this woman. I've seen her before. And so I looked her up on IMDb, and it was that woman. I never forget I, Cleavage. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, blue, another... and blue eyes like that as well. Blue eyes like that. There, there was another actress later uh, that we recognized. We'll get to that, but... Uh... Yeah, so the, so uh, Tyrion's trying to get her signed up to help them, uh, and it seems to be going pretty well. But then Varys steps in and gets all sorts of hostile towards her because he is not a fan of religion, um, and basically gets all in her face. And Tyrion's trying to <laughs> trying to smooth things out, which was kind of amusing. Um, but basically, the uh, the Varys is name? right. Does she have a, Varys does, is does right. The, does the witch south? Does the south witch have a name? I missed it. I forget what it is, but, uh, but. I'm just going to continue to refer to her as South Witch. Uh, so South Witch uh, gets all in Varys's face uh, and able is able to tell him the details of how he lost his junk and uh, what he what he heard when it happened, uh, which I don't think he's ever told anybody except for uh, that one Tyrion. scene back in uh, season three with Tyrion. Uh, and even then, did he say what he heard, the voice in the flame? No, I don't yeah. think he did. 
So yeah, it's so I've, obviously everybody knows Littlefinger's a eunuch, but she knows details nobody should know. Not Littlefinger, Varys sure. is a eunuch, but yeah. she knows details nobody should know. Exactly, and he is visibly shaken by that, which is I think um, the first time we've seen him visibly shaken by anything. But the reason they got in the fight in the first place was is he was making excellent points by showing how their religion has made um, many mistakes in their predictions over and over and over, and therefore... True. Yeah. However, it was it was inappropriate of him to do that in the context of them trying to negotiate a deal with this one. Like, he really kind of kicked Tyrion in the crotch in his negotiations by stepping up like that. I see that your point there. But, you know what? Being, being a religious kook, she deserved it. But... <laughs> You know what? You've got a red witch in the north. You've got a red witch in the south, and you got the sparrow in the middle. I'll take her, I'll take the red witches any day of the week. Well, because they're hot. Well, there's <laughs> that, and the sparrow basically gets to beat the crap out of people with with sticks, and they give birth to shadow babies. Um, it's it's uh, Kinvara. Is that is the the witch's name, the priestess's Kinvara? name. Okay. Yeah. All right. The re- and she's the red priestess Kinvara, played by Ania Buckstein. All That's right. the actress that plays her from uh, Israel. Yeah. So that was an interesting thing. Basically, it was kind of making everything a contradiction because it shows that they have power, even if they screw up a lot. And she was using her intimidation. Well, and that's the thing is that most you would hope most religious people would be, I guess. Like, you, you know, more polite and say, you know, you're attacking me, but you just don't understand, whatever. But she, you could tell that she has some nefarious, I, I wouldn't trust her, put it that way. Well, she's a witch. Why would you trust her? Right. Um, right. right. <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah, so they, they eventually get something knocked out with her and have some ten, type of tenuous agreement uh, for her to help uh, rally support behind Daenerys. That's right. That's right. Uh, I think the scene was uh, was interesting because it made Varys uh, we show, show a weakness basically. So that right. was interesting. Right. And we got to see a hot chick um, <laughs> with a lot of cleavage. But besides that, I, I you're was so easy, I, Phil. You're so easy. This is true. This is true. But <laughs> I I would have to say that yeah, the the scene really um, was was one of the the scenes that you know let's move on to the next scene type of thing. Exactly. Mike, did you have any comments on this scene? Um, no, I don't think there's anything significant. It was, you know, just moving oh, that the... cleavage was pretty significant, Mike. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, I just, all, all I ask is, please, for the love of God, keep the necklace on. Right, right. I, right. I, I'll, um, I'll go with you on that one. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's just a matter of of moving the ball a little forward, giving us a little background information of something. I'm sure that's going to be significant. Later on, this is this is clearly a, a quick setup, as has been a lot of the Marine stuff, as we wait for Danny to return. Right. Speaking yes. of which, uh, we do get a quick scene with Danny and uh, Dario and Jora, uh, and basically Jora finally reveals to her that he's got grayscale, and and she's all ready to forgive him, and uh, he's like, "You have to send me away because um, I've I've got this." Uh, Condition. I've got this this condition that's uncurable, and I'm going to die. 
and and apparently uh, before I die, I'll go mad and start wanting to kill people. At uh, which point, I plan to take my own life and don't want to be around you when that happens. Uh, and so, as her as her kind of uh, final act of uh, forgiving him, she says, "Hey, you can't go. You haven't been dismissed by your queen yet." I ordered you to go find a cure and come back to me. Uh, so basically, it doesn't change the end result of him going away uh, to do that. Uh, but at the same time, it does indicate uh, forgiveness on her part. Well, uh, and she said uh, something Accepting more him important. back to be able to command him to begin with. But she said uh, one other thing, too, which is, I won't be able to command and lead without you by my side. Right. And I thought that was important. Whether oh, that means... And- you know, I assume that means more as a as a lieutenant slash secretary slash vice president type rather than a lover. But all in all, it shows that he's completely forgiven and she wants him back as part of her government if she ever takes right. over. And he does officially declare her love for her as well, which is, I guess, uh, if she didn't know that by now, she's yeah, we all do fucking that. stupid. But he said it out loud finally. Exactly. And, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm thinking... If Daenerys ends up turning, that it could be because Jorah's not there. Jorah yes, has yes. sort of been her, her moral voice for a while, her her hand. Uh-huh. Um, and now she's got Varys and, um, Tyrion. and Tyrion, who, while not bad guys, generally speaking, are far more utilitarian, right? You know, they're, right. they're, they're far more do-whatever-it-takes, even if it means setting the entire ocean on fire. Right. Um, so you know, it's where whereas I think as her strong moral voice, that would have been Jorah. And yeah. so, look, we know they've laid the seeds for there to being a cure. Well, it, I don't they, know about that, but they did. They did it with Shireen. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. All right. You're yeah. okay. By, because Fair they enough. said, or they had that moment in last season where he talks about how, and I sent all my all my maesters or whatever around the world trying to find the cure, and they didn't cure her so much they arrested the the, the, the progression yeah. and, and prevented the, it from spreading to other and people. And preventing well. it spreading, and I think she'd be fine if he's got you know, you know, one one sort of stony arm, you know, as long <laughs> as the yeah. as long as his head and insanity is is still fine. Yeah, right. yeah. Basically, what what happened with Stannis's daughter was that Stannis was able to get someone to stop the progression of the disease. The disease disappeared, but it still left the disability or the scars. And in this case, that would be quite good for Jorah because, um, yeah, like you said, Mike, having some disfigurement on the arm or whatever is not a big deal at this point. Yep. So uh, basically, all all that happens, and I think it's basically. It served. This seemed to serve two purposes, which is to a uh, right draw out of the rest of the season, uh, and b oh, that's a possibility, uh, and b show that yes, the Dothraki horde is now following Danny. I didn't think of that, Eric. Yeah, maybe that that is what they're doing. They're writing him out at least temporarily from the show. When and I thought maybe they would keep on going back to him. Um, where he would be searching, but yeah, yeah, who knows? That's a good I think point. he's going to be gone for the rest of the season. They'll be like, heard anything from Jorah? No, no cure yet. All right, carry on. Yeah, he, yeah he's out finding a cure. He may be back at some point, but he, I could easily see him getting getting bronzed 
Uh, not Braun. Well, yeah, Braun. Braun's yeah, Braun. been out the entire season. Yeah. Or Dorn. Or Dorn or, <laughs> or, or Brienne or, or yeah, it's everybody who's been off. Um, yeah, I did. I did like the one scene that was just sort of weird of of uh, Jorah sitting on a horse, watching a whole people bunch of people riding horses underneath two statues of giant horses. Just uh-huh. there's like a lot of there's a lot of horse symbolism in that scene, but uh, a lot of horseplay. Yes, but yeah, so basically what it was is I think he was watching uh, Danny and her army leave, right? Oh yeah, but I was just thinking, boy, that's that's a, ho- a guy on a horse watching people on horses riding underneath two giant horses. Just just a whole lot of horsey stuff. Anyway, uh, horse porn, I guess, is what it was. But <laughs> all right. Um, so the next scene, uh, let's do area. Just get that over. That's, with. that's where I was headed. Oh, yep, that's where I was headed. Uh, just when you thought you'd seen all the stick fighting, they could possibly uh, be a TV more series. wax on wax off. <laughs> oh, I hate this. <laughs> we got some more. at this point. I'm right there with you, Phil. Uh, I, I don't like the trading things anymore, uh, but yeah. we show one more stick fight between the waif and Arya and Arya still loses. Uh, and then Arya gets her ass like, kicked. Yeah, Arya still hasn't had enough. She comes back for more, and the waif just puts her stick down and beats the living fuck out of her, which I thought was kind of awesome because she gives her this uppercut. And <laughs> see Arya kind of have like a little seizure before she hits the floor. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> right, and uh, see, I see this is why because I think the scenes have been well executed. So, and there was there ends up being purpose to moving it forward. But I like the fact she taunts her by calling her Lady Stark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll yeah, never be one of us, Lady Stark. Well, and, and to be I, honest, that's she's she's going back that way. I'm telling you. By the end, well, of and this, that's and that's what uh, Jockin says uh, after she gets on her feet and wipes the blood off her nose. <laughs> she just he says the girl has a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but what so, I so sorry. Go ahead. No, no. So right. So what I love is is about the Arya segment in this episode wasn't so much the wax on and the wax off. It oh, was the oh, mission. The, oh, the, yeah, the boobs. That, that's what I was oh, going to say. God. Is that? Uh, oh, yeah, Phil's easy. Uh, <laughs> so, so Ario is finally actually given a mission. Um, so she's told to go out and poison this actress, which is kind of weird if you ask me. But um, she actually attends one of these plays, and it's uh, it's a reenactment of the fall of King Baratheon, I guess. Yeah, King Robert's uh, fall. Yeah. It, it's it's basically a a parody. It's, it was a comedy. Well, and I think it's also uh, wouldn't you say it's uh, propaganda for the king? Uh well, but wait a minute. She's not in. No, they're in Bravos. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I was right. realizing that is that yeah this is that's, like, that's like us insulting Canadians making a joke about the Canadian government. <laughs> but. Uh, I, I thought that they were trying to. Um, I thought in the course of the play, they were trying to make Joffrey look a little better by making it look like he hadn't actually commanded the beheading of right. Ned Stark, which he actually did. Right. Not well, only did they make him look better, they make uh, they make Ned Stark look like a fucking moron, which he right. was in a different way, um, because he trusted Cersei. He was he was a noble idiot, but he wasn't a fool. Oh, he trusted Baelish too. That was a mistake, right? And he tried, and they show him as someone who's trying to usurp the throne as opposed to taking Sansa's orders. And more importantly, the whole thing is being driven by Tyrion because Tyrion pays the executioner to behead Ned Stark. 
Oh, did he? I missed that whole thing. Right. You, you see, see Tyrion. He, he, pour, he pours out. He has a, a prop pitcher, and yep. you see little gold coins sort of flop out into the pocket of the yep. executioner. And I'm then watching the executioner, it right now. I'm watching right, it right now. It's in the yeah, back. lops off Ned's head as Joffrey's going, well, yes, I think we shall spare his. <laughs> off it comes. Um, but I, what I love about this is, one, you're seeing how the rest of the world is getting these stories. It is obviously right. a callback, because, and we've seen a lot of them this season, a clear callback to season one. But it's also, this is Arya watching, she did watch her father get beheaded. Yeah, she saw the whole thing. And right. so it, it's it's humorous to everyone around her, but it's so horrific to her. Yeah, So she's been reminded of who her father was, who her family is, and now she's being asked to renounce all of that. Right. Right. And and I think this may end up being sort of a, a, one of the things pushing it. Um, and, of course, you have Sansa going in there as the, the pretty little twit to try to save her father, which was – so it's just weird. It was funny seeing this reinterpretation of what's played out on stage, how other people are seeing it, but then also seeing all the, the horror that she has at how – not just on the one hand of reliving what she went through, but also in how her father and her sister are being depicted. Um, right, and there's right. probably things happen that – I don't know – I'm not sure how much she knew. Right? Did she know that her her sister was was wed off to Tyrion? I don't know. You know, I wondered about that myself. I, I'm not entirely sure. So this might be the first time she's now. We know what happened with her and Tyrion, which was nothing. But um, Arya doesn't. That if she's getting that right. information from the show, it's she just knows that you know the imp is this little pervert who couldn't wait to to molest her sister. Um. Because you know, they haven't seen each other since the first well, and, season. And the interesting thing here is that uh, Arya has been sent to uh, assassinate the lead actress in this troupe. Uh, and I have a feeling that really this is just another test. Uh, I have a feeling that uh, Jochen Hagar knows damn well what this play is about that they're putting on. Um, and has sent her to see if indeed she is a girl without a name or if she's Arya Stark. Right. Well, I, I love how um, she goes in the back, and, and oh my god, we see we see uh, a, a cock. It was terrible, but um, <laughs> oh, uh, but come on, Phil, the ladies deserve to get some too. I yeah, the so. ladies deserve to see a disease-ridden cock, uncircumcised <laughs> cock. Hey, that's for all you know. Well, and 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 it's only fair that they get to see a nice disease-ridden cock close up front. You know, being while you get a nicely framed pair of of perfectly healthy bosoms. Oh, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> incredible too. Um, but what we do learn, besides seeing uh, a a deformed, diseased cock and two awesome bosoms, is the fact that the actress that she's supposed to kill seems like a decent human being. And so she goes back to Jacques and and, and starts questioning this mission. And Jarkin has two important points. One is um, death doesn't just take away the wicked, it takes away everybody. And two, um, a girl with no name doesn't ask questions from the uh, what, what the god asked to be. Right, it was a, a servant does not ask questions. Right. And, and so the question is, is Arya willing to be a servant? And I'm not sure she's willing to go there. Oh, we so we the, know damn well where it's going. Which well, the is quite, but, but she's got to rebel against these kooks. But the problem is, we know she is through the various training montages and stick fights that she's not ready, right? So, right. what has she learned 
if she gets sent back without completing her training. You know, has uh, she, is, she, is she any better than she was before? I mean, uh, well, I imagine I, I, somewhat. Oh, yeah. I think she does not have to complete the kook religious training to be a better fighter. Um, what I think it's going to do, it sets her up to go out and kill her enemies. And that could even now be Tyrion, uh, for that matter. And I think she's going to leave these kooks. And now the question is, will she kill the actress before she leaves these kooks or will she leave the kooks before she kills the actress? Well, here's the thing. If she, I have a feeling if she doesn't kill this actress, she's in big fucking trouble. Uh, cause Jacqueline Hagar told her, uh, you've been given a second chance. There will not be a third. Uh, right. so I have a feeling if she does not complete this mission to spec, uh, it's going to be more than her sight that she loses this time. Uh, now, so if I she kills the actress though, right? Eric, what, then, uh-huh. then you can actually say she's morally compromised now because she's uh, basically, or you could F- say she's completed her training. But but then it, no, but I, the reason I want to say that, and I know you hate uh, political analogies, but it could be like the the SS soldier who kills the, the 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 Jew or the Gypsy or whatever. Oh, I was just following orders. But you're, that does not mean that you're forgiven or that you're not a criminal. No, I, see, I, I I understand what you're saying. I'm saying uh, in this clay, case she pro- she truly does not have a choice. Uh, because she will be killed if she does not complete this mission. Unless she flees, right? Well, I think I, I don't think that fleeing is an option. I, I have a feeling that the House of Black and White has a pretty good spy network. Right. Well, and uh, that was what was cool about this ep- scene too, Eric. Assuming anything about this this whole scenario is cool, because I can't stand this this crap. But the the thing I that was interesting was is that he did not deny Jacan. Shagar did not deny that the woman was was a good person. So nope, now it may, yeah. So now it makes it very interesting what will happen and what she'll do whenever that comes up next. And by the way, I hear I'm, I just want to confirm this. I heard somebody say this online. I want to see if uh, IMD can confirm it. But I saw that uh, somebody said that the actress that plays the uh, the person she's supposed to kill. Is uh, Essie Davis from the Babadook? Oh, really? Huh, yeah. Let me, oh, that's interesting. I want to let me check. I can find that out now. Uh, well, wasn't that, she, wasn't she also I have it in? Up. What's that? Wasn't she also yeah. in Isolation? The episode we just did for Dark. Yes, she Dark. was. Yes, yes, she, yes was. she was. Yes, she was. Um, I'll tell you right now. Bravo. Here we go. Uh, it was Essie Davis. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yep. So that's kind of cool to see her again in a different role. Yes, 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 it was, and. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Um, so yeah, Arya is. Uh, it's unclear whether she'll successfully complete this mission, and we'll find out. Right. And um, I, there was one other thing I wanted to add, Eric, too, is that besides having her now question the morality of the house with no na- faces or whatever it's called uh, by possibly having to kill an innocent, but it also brings back, as Mike brought up about this play everything back that makes her back to being a lady stock again and not a girl with no name. So there's a lot of things that are going on that could happen because of how this is all set up. And you made an excellent point too, Eric, which is why did they choose this actress in this play unless he was testing her about her loyalty of being a stock or being a person with no name? 
Well, and it could be that the vial he gave her has water in it. That ooh, maybe, maybe he just wants to see if she'll nice. go through with it. Nice, Eric. So, but now uh, you know what? If she goes through with it, and it is water, it makes her loyal to them. But it still makes her, at least to the audience, specifically me. Anyway, I can speak for myself. Now a questionable person because she was willing to kill, even if she didn't. I kill an innocent, even though she didn't. Well, here's the thing, though. I I am able to put a different set of blinders on as far as morality goes for Game of Thrones in that world. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. Because the rules in that world differ from the rules in this world. Uh, and, and killing people really isn't... I mean, it's an expected part of life in Westeros. Uh <laughs> No, that, that's a fair point, because if that was the case, then then I would be holding Stannis and, and right. Baelish and all these other people. And, the and, and I think a big thing is not so much going to be, does she kill or try to kill uh, the lady, whatever her name was, um, Lady Crane? It would be, yeah, what, is her, what is her reaction after she tries to do it? Right, right. Yeah, you know, because she way, may do that and may feel really, really bad about it and decide this is this was not for me. Um so in which case she kind of would get off the hook easy if it was you know just some nice sparkling spring tap water. Now, Mike, I wanted to well, add, ask you this because you brought it up, Mike, which is the setup where we see Tyrion being this pervert slash rapist of Sansa. Do you now think that she may go after Tyrion now instead of going after Cersei's first because she's already on the same continent as Tyrion? We haven't heard her give a list in a while, and I think. If she the last has a half- she gave was pretty paltry. Yeah, and if you look at the the show, she was there. She knows how it played out. That was not how it played out. Right. So she she certainly would have reason to doubt the truth about how Tyrion was portrayed. Um, yeah. but you know, it's certainly knows. Look, he's a he's a he's a dwarf. He's an he's an imp. And even if he wasn't what was shown there, you know there's a there's a bias. She wouldn't want her son, her, her sister married off to the imp, right. right? And also, you could argue too that at this point she could be like a Daenerys, which is almost like a reactionary. So rage takes over logic or goodness. Play play the Incredible Hulk theme. Boom, 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 <laughs> boom. Yeah. Um, so I, I just want to say that I know this theory has been debunked uh, pretty much, but I think it would be one of the most awesome reveals of all time if eventually we found out that the waif is actually Cereal Pharrell with a mask on. Yeah, I heard, I heard and, and that. And a dress. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go there. Um, I, I just want them to. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I just want them to get to where they're going. Um, and, and like I said, I think I, 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 just, I just like the thing that for me saved this whole segment was the was the play. Yeah, that was what saved it for me. Otherwise, it would yep. have just been here we go again. Get to the chase. Yep. But, exactly. All I right. agree. All right, we need to move on. I think. Okay. Right, right. Well, and, and I do want to say that the the actress that played Sansa made it quite a good scene as well. <laughs> yeah, that's the third time you've mentioned it. Yeah, it was important. <laughs> for two right. reasons. Oh, okay, yeah. so uh, let's go. I think we need to go to the tree, don't we? 
The tr- uh, well, no, no, we have. Um, then we have one other thing too. That, oh, the, the your other favorite plotline, Eric, uh, the Greyjoys. Oh yeah, I blocked it out. <laughs> um, I like this segment, but hey, that sue me. <laughs> so we show up the Greyjoys, and they're having their king's moot, trying to elect a new leader. Uh, and Yara says, it should be me. And somebody else says, you can't do it. You're a girl. We have a male heir right here. And Theon says, no. Really. I don't have balls anymore. <laughs> it should be her. Uh, and then Euron shows up and says, nope, it should be me. Uh, and Yara's like, but you killed our father. And he's like, yep, I sure did. And now I should be your king too. And everybody else and is like, not Yay! Only did he say, Not only did he say I did it, he said, and I'm sorry I didn't do it sooner. I apologize. <laughs> I have to apologize to all of you for not killing his ass earlier. Um, what I like about this, there are three things I liked about this, this whole segment. One was that it, it, Theon kind of got his balls back. Right? He says his name. I am Theon Greyjoy, which I, we, he hasn't really said in a while, if I remember correctly. Okay, fair enough. So he, so, he, so he reclaims his identity, and he, and he makes a stand. It doesn't work, but he makes a stand. Two, I really liked the coronation scene. That was kind of cool, when, they'd, when right. they drown him. When they drown him. You're right. The whole That whole segment, I think, the, the actual king's moot was sort of a, really, this was what the big deal was? Meh. You know, is that, who got the biggest cheers? You get to be king? Really? <laughs> no, no fight to the death. You know, let the gods decide. None of that. No. Um, and then the other thing I liked was after he goes, he gets his his uh, his it, it, he drowns, and it helps explain you know what his dead can never die a little bit. Um, he gets his death on. He gets his death on, and he comes back. Um, and I didn't notice. Has was Balon Greyjoy wearing the same crown? I don't know. Because I because I, I never because I like I love the idea given and because it works so well with the the yeah, it's just Greyjoy. driftwood. That's just, just yeah, just driftwood. I thought that would, that was kind of neat. Um, instead of gold and all I'm the other stuff. I'm watching it right this very moment, as a matter of fact. That's why I knew it was driftwood. But then I like the, oh shit, she stole the car. Right. Well, I, 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 I did like that, that moment. Off. I did not like that at all because it was like so obvious that there was going to be a, a, some sort of rebellion between the two sides and, and, so she steals all the ships, and it's like, oh come on, he would have—he's not that stupid, but maybe he is, you know. He was he dead. Well, that's true, but you would think someone <laughs> would have been watching what was going on. Um, I don't know. It—it it was a little silly, but the reason I will say one thing, Mike. You said it was the the how they chose the leader was kind of stupid, which it was, but he said some important things. Uh, he said that. Um, He's going to go take all the ships, as as you predicted. The Greyjoys have ships, and go find Daenerys, and he's going to try to marry her, and then then the Targaryen slash Greyjoys will take over the world. Well, but, well they're going to try. But now they, they they have a problem because they have to build the ships because right. all the ships were stolen by Theon and his sister. Well, and the question is number. One. Sorry. I was just going to say, and they did a, they did effectively spoil his plan in that manner, in that they are now in the boats, and they can go get to Daenerys first, uh, putting a crimp in any designs that uh, Euron had to try and uh, hook up with Danny. Now, the, let me ask you this, Eric. Do you actually think they're heading 
to I'm not I don't think so. I think they're gonna go and find John Stark. I I I I think that they didn't get that far in their planning by the time they left the dock. That's I true. think they were like, sure. fuck, they're going to kill us. Uh, let's take their boats because that way they can't follow. Yeah, let's do that. And that's as far as their plan went. But it yeah, does I seem just... like such an Iron Island thing to do. The Well, fuck it. You call yourself your king. What kind of a king are you going to be without any goddamn ships? <laughs> right. Yeah, but 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 he he pulled it off. He goes, we just build better ones and blah, blah. And they all said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the typical crap. Oh, but... his name is Urine. I mean, come on. How good of a king but... can he be? I'll tell you one thing. They they cast the actor pretty good to look similar to Theon, which is pretty yeah. good. Um, but he also has a little bit of a... Uh, is it just me or does he have a little bit of a Russell Crowe vibe going on? We bit Russell. a young young Russell Crowe. Yeah, kind yeah. of a, a wide face that looks like it's been punched a bunch of times. A, a, lot, of, a lot of testosterone there. There's no doubt. A lot of testosterone. Right. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a good question now. Yeah, so where are Theon and, you, and his sister going? Are they going to... Find um, the Targaryens. I say that's unlikely, um, even though they just heard that story. I'm saying I think, and they're going to go where Theon knows, which is we can count on Sansa and Jon. But who knows? Who knows what? Well, maybe, think. but at the same time, uh, Navy really wouldn't be much of an asset on a salt on Winterfell. Yep, it's true. So who knows what they're going to do? Yeah. I I, re- I really do want to see Urine run into uh, into uh, Daenerys because I'm sorry I think he's going to be he would be dragon food, right? I think they're gonna they're gonna uh, set it up to be a long time though because they have to build the ship so they're gonna wait at least a few episodes. Okay, um, right. So they're gonna wait until the ninth or tenth episode. Yeah. Um, and, and I also I really like she... the music and the editing in this whole sequence, but. Yeah, that's true. I, I will give you that, Mike. Uh, but I will say this. T- Daenerys, if she does meet with the guy, there's a chance that she could unite with him because she united with the, the slave owner guy. Remember? She married him or was about to. And right. so, so she understands that building armies by marriage is more important than making enemies. And if they have the ships, I'll marry you. Sure, let's do it. Well, who do you think well, she would rather deal with? Yara or Urin? That's assuming that Yara <laughs> is going to go there. For the record, Mike, his name is Yaron, not Urin. <laughs> and, and you're assuming that, that they're, they're, Theon is heading that way, and I'm not convinced. I, I don't know. I don't know where he's headed, but I'm just saying I don't think he's going to find, you know, he's there. She'll kill him and take his ships anyway. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. If she she would do that, but if if your article is correct, maybe she would. She's turning evil. Yeah. Well, I think whoever gets there first with boats will will win. Right. Right. And and that'll be curious to see because obviously we've been made to like um, Theon's sister, and then this character just comes out of nowhere. Even though he did a good thing, he wiped out that scumbag king Greyjoy. So. You, you got a question and wonder uh, what the point of this all is. Are we supposed to like one side over the other, or have we just added a new enemy, like another Bolton, Ross Bolton type thing? I don't. I, I just don't know where they're going with this, except to get ships to D- Daenerys. Right. 
All right. You predicted, so, Mike. You predicted. Yeah. So, so I, I'm not. Pre- I have, I'm not really sure where they're going to go with this. I know I can think of a lot of possibilities of which there's absolutely no evidence for any of it. So it would just be right. idle speculation. Right. Yep. And we still have the sand snakes, which is like, are there? What are they going to do in this whole war? I mean, it's like, oh God! I hope they just. Uh, I'd be yeah. perfectly fine with never seeing them again. I would agree. Well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right, because they're still putting in other good-looking women. That, yeah, 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 something something like when they go to King's Landing, someone's like, Your Highness, there was a giant tidal wave and it completely wiped out Dorne. <laughs> Eric would probably like the Greyjoys to happen, too. Uh, wipe them out, too. But anyway, let's move on. Actually, you know what? I can get behind Yara and uh, Theon now that they've teamed up. Okay, fair enough. Um, so I think the... Uh, only thing we have left to talk about here is uh, Bran, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, Mike, can you remember anything else? No, I think that was about it. All yeah. Right. So uh, we we learn we we learn the white how the White Walkers are made. We do, uh, which is pretty much uh, by the what are they called the Children of the Forest? That's right. Um, basically, created the White Walkers to defend against. Mankind. Um, they basically although, corrupt. They corrupt man and turn right. them into White Walkers, and then became. But it was weird because based off of how the, the whole scene could have been cool, but it happened way too quick, and it did. And I yeah. never really got enough information about what was going on because this is the problem: is that they said, "Oh, we created the White Walkers because man was was." The early man was attacking us, and we needed a defense. So you figure, okay, so the White Walkers are basically soldiers for the children of the forest. Yet but they don't control them anymore. Yeah, and that's that was what I was confused about. It's like, okay, so they're like the master is now the enemy. You know, the the robot is now going to kill the master. Frankenstein's going to kill Doctor Frankenstein, and it's now the Something. White Walkers. Or after the children, I don't, I don't get it. But, well, uh, whatever they created, they created, they created a weapon, and it backfired. I mean, it's not. It's, sounds like Cersei's in, in the Sparrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so we learned that, and basically, uh, what happens is that Bran decides that uh, he can go into Vision World unsupervised. Um, because he's a little twit. They're stupid. <laughs> uh, so don't, don't listen to this old wise guy who's been, uh, you know, teaching you. Uh, yeah, just go do it yourself. So he goes back and he's having a vision about um the White Walkers, and again, it happens that in his vision, uh, somebody in the vision notices him, and it's it's the uh. The Night King, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, the Night King. Right. Well, I did um, love, there, there's a shot. I, I love the shot as they, they pan around him. Uh-huh. And you think it's the tree line sort of in the back. Uh-huh. Right. But as it comes into focus, it's just the entire white army. Right. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Brandon has this vision. He kind of walks through a bunch of completely motionless whites uh, and gets through to the other side. And that's where the Night's King is. And in the vision, the Night King grabs his arm and he wakes up screaming um, and basically tells the three-eyed raven, hey, he grabbed me. 
And Raven's like, well, you've got his mark now. He can get you. He uh, The words on this cave no longer are in effect because you let him touch you. Um, he's like, now it's time for you to become me. And Brandon says, am I ready? And he's just like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but they've got to do what they can. So basically... Uh, and th- this whole storyline uh, just uh, was one to me that uh, probably would have come out much better on the page um, than on the screen. Uh, the whole explanation of the creation of the White Walkers and all that, as well as uh, this next part where I think what's basically going on here is that the Three-Eyed Raven is trying to do a massive info dump uh, and trying to relay as much to Bran as possible before uh, the White Walkers in the short amount of time before the White Walkers show up. Would now, um, yeah, oh, no doubt. I, actually, that's what I I read in some reviews afterwards. Uh, so you're absolutely right, Eric. Um, I did want to say that I think what they screwed up about this whole thing is is they should have had some episode earlier this season, or boobs, or, or somewhere uh, episode somewhere earlier this season or last season showing the flashback of the children of the forest being attacked by humans and how they created the white walkers and then the white walkers somehow became um, free willed rather than slaves of the children. I agree. There's very little explanation here. Yeah. And so as a result, I never became attached to the children strong enough to consider them even like anything more than caricatures rather than characters. And, The whole backstory of the White Walkers, I think, could have been cooler in learning how they were created and why and all that had they done a more in-depth episode instead of, like, oh, by the way, this is how we created the White Walkers. Well, I don't know that they needed to. That may pay off later. I mean, the whole episode is you, you get, like, the secret origin episode. What's the secret origin of the Faceless Men? We get told that. What's the secret origin of the of the of the Night King? We get sorta told that. We only get a, the barest little bit of it, which makes me think there will be more of it coming because I was the so I'm I'm not going to judge it too harshly for and, that because. Uh, am and I then right the secret. And think, sorry, Mike. Uh, I just it, wanted to ask. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, uh, do you think the Night King is actually that same guy that the original uh, Children of the Forest put the thing into his chest? My guess is yes. All right. Um, but I, I, I could just as easily be wrong because, again, I'm terrible with faces. And then, of course, we get the secret origin of Hodor. Oh, God, that was so good. Um, well, and it but, also shows that these flashbacks aren't ju- uh, truly aren't just flashbacks, but this guy is warping, meaning Bran and the, and the Raven are warping through time, in a sense. Right, right. Uh, I mean, they come as visions, but it is shown... Uh, more than once now that he can have an influence on what happens uh, in the time that he's visiting, and that's actually how uh, horror happens. Um, so basically what happens here is that the Night's King finds them in their cave uh, and is no longer uh, barred entry from the cave since his mark is now on Bran uh, and comes into the cave and you have this whole scene where they're trying to get Bran out of the cave, even though he's in his trance state, um, and they need Hodor to do that. And so basically, while he's in his vision, uh, 
Bran kind of releases Hodor from the vision so that he can act in real life. So Hodor starts dragging him out of the cave. Uh, and in, meanwhile, there's all sorts of action hanging, happening in the cave. Uh, the uh, children of the forest are fighting the whites. And uh, uh, is it Summer that's Bran's wolf? Yeah, Summer. Yeah. Yeah, Summer. Uh, another dire wolf bites the dust. Uh, Summer steps up to, to fight some whites, and uh, they pretty much take him out. Uh, so that's a bummer. And uh, eventually they're, they're, there's a back way out of this cave, and they're cruising towards it, and the last children of the forest uh, stops and uses one of her uh, nature's hand grenades uh, t- to slow the whites okay. down with a massive yeah, they, explosion. That, yeah, that whole... She, she, she does part. a... Uh, uh, what, what the hell's the... Oh, you, you, you always were an, an asshole, Gorman, right? She exactly. Does the, yeah. What, what's Vas- that chick's name in the movie? Uh, uh, Vasquez. Oh, Vasquez. Vasquez. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she pulls a Vasquez, and and, um, and it was the one that created the White Walkers. It was the, it was the woman, yes. the children that that actually made the walk, the first Walker. Uh huh. Yeah. But anyway, go on. Um, and so they finally get out the back way, and Bran is still in his trance state, uh, and they get out the back door. And in his vision that he's having, he can see Willis, uh, which is Hodor as a child. And in real life, uh, what's her face? Um, who's the girl? What's her name? I lost it. Amira. Mira. Mira. Uh, Mira is shouting at him, um, hold the door, hold the door. Uh, and the sound of her shouting comes through into Brand's vision and Hodor can hear it, uh, and basically... It has an epileptic attack. It has a seizure, and ends up on the ground, uh, flailing about, yelling, hold the door, hold the door, hold the door, and eventually it just gets ab- abbreviated to Hodor, 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 and that's how Hodor became Hodor, and then we flash to Hodor in real time, and I think in his last few moments... He's back to being Willis. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. So uh, the the current day Hodor has been released from his Hodorness uh, and is Willis again, but is still holding the door, letting Brad escape, uh, and we're left to assume that he is taken by the White Walkers. Yeah, yeah, or, or the Whites ripped the shreds or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it basically is um, Hodor got as a child got warped and in this time whatever crapple or and it fucked him up and and he became like i guess what we would say uh, disabled mentally disabled as a result well he was and, already mentally disabled but he, he was already but, slow but he wasn't but, as bad as it was right i wouldn't say he was mentally disabled i would just say that he was like a 89 iq maybe type person which is still Lower. a functional human Lower. being well, uh, he, he could, well, trust me, yeah. I've dealt with people with 89 IQs. He was he was closer to probably like 65 to 70. All right. Well, anyway, the, much more functional than Hodor. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Um, um, so, yeah, but I thought this I thought this whole thing was amazingly effective. Uh, the explanation of Hodor and and yet it the, doesn't matter whole, because he, because he's dead now. So it really the whole we know Hodor was is that he could. That Bran was actually shifting back and forth through time is is the 
find if you really boil away Hodor and say what was his total total point of his his storyline, it was just basically to show that Bran could shift in time. Yeah, Isn't that well, bad when you think about it. Yeah, but it's what I liked, and I see. Oh, it was an awesome storyline, either way. Well, so, see, like, this is where I go to, um, again, I'll go, I was sort of dreading this, and, like, you know I'm a comic book nerd, and one of the things that kind of irritates me with comic books is, especially older ones, you couldn't just have something happen because it happened. There was always a secret story behind it. For example, originally Lex Luthor was bald because there was a chemical fire and superman blew out the flames but blew the chemicals oh into lex luther which made his hair fall out which is why luther hated superman yeah. couldn't just could just be fucking bald it's just it's just so hodor couldn't just be somebody who's mentally deranged we have to have the secret origin of how hodor got kicked in the head by a mule or whatever it is to turn him into hodor so i was not i was not looking forward to this and what i liked as it played out and if you described it to me it probably wouldn't have and is effective is that really you have this it's all it, it's this thing where his entire life he's got this i've got one mission to do i have yeah. to save my purpose in life is to protect and take care of this child who isn't even born yet and protect this boy who can help save everybody from everything presumably right. unless he dies in the next episode and it adds a sort of a tragic poignancy and a bit of poetry to Hodor, who has just been kind of a fun guy up to this point. Right. Um, and and that's what I, I really... And then that he, at the end, he does... It's important that he doesn't... Isn't warged at that end point. That he's, of his own volition, sacrificing himself. And that he's he's been going here and in some way has known this is where he's been going for, you know, the last 40 years. Right, right. Well, no, and, it, and turns, it, uh, it turns Hardware into a tragic hero. Absolutely, uh, which is kind of, which is kind of awesome. Right, right, and, and even though Mike, I, I agree with you on the you know the Lex Luthor thing and all that stuff. I think this uh, was was better than than those things. In other words, oh, why isn't Hodor just Hodor? Because right, it, it wasn't. But I was, and so I'm just. I you were dreading it, but it turned out yeah. not to be what you you thought it was going to be, which was right. it actually was good. Yeah, and I'll be really curious to see if this has always been. It is such, you know, it's like sort of a, you know, you know, Hodor out of hold the door. And again, if you say that to me, if you went back. Two days ago, and said he's called Holdor because he's he's eventually destined to hold the door closed, and he just butchers hold the door to Hodor. I would have said that's that's fucking stupid. Um, right. <laughs> but it it's helps. All in the execution. It's all in the execution, and you get this such a, a great you know tense scene. Like I love the fact that um, you know they stop the, the the walkers from advancing, like the kings, the night king, and his posse you know they just kind of fuck the flame put they extinguish the flame and walk right through it but the others now that to save money they could have easily said oh all the other whites are stuck outside looking in so we don't have to cgi them anymore and we'll save a shitload of, of cash no they swarm up the mound and start digging their way in and you get this you know so you get this intense chase going forward and and it's just a really propulsive scene and again editing back and forth between you know the action and 
you know, the flashback and Hodor and Bran Wargan. It's just, just really, really well-crafted episode. Um, I have to say that George R.R. R. Martin did an excellent job because Benioff and Weiss said that they, when they met with George R.R. R. Martin, he explained it so well and so heartbreaking and so tragic and yet so heroic. In other, in other words, it's it's a chapter okay, so this, already so this was the plan. Yes, this is yeah, a okay, chapter yeah, well, already awesome. written in his mind that hasn't been written to the page yet. And Benioff <laughs> and Weiss, <laughs> probably you're probably right, Mike. And, and and Benioff and Weiss were able to imagine it so well, uh, demonstrating how good they are in taking this series from page or in this case mind to to film and and. Um, and uh, but you still have to give modern credit because they gave modern credit in the HBO Go at the end of the episode where they talked about it. And I no, can't I think that's imagine cool. that I can't imagine this is something that Martin pulled out of his ass out of book after book five because uh, he's been named Hodor the whole fucking time. So you yeah. have to think that since the very beginning, uh, he's like, oh, there will be this guy called Hodor. He, he had to have had the concept in his head for. Oh, over a decade, I would think, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, actually, uh, over 20 years. The first book yeah. was 20 years. As, as, uh, Chan and Robinson mentioned in their podcast, it's 20 years ago. It's crazy. It's crazy that he's been, yeah. he's, he's known it for that long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and, and he must have known about the, the, uh, time travel bit and the, and the crow. I mean, he had the crow back then, too, so. Right. right, you know, so yeah, he had it all planned. It's just that it took him, and still has it. It's actually, it's still taking him. I should say it hasn't took him. It's still taking him many years to put it on page. Right, that's right. Mm. So yeah, just and it's a good thing he didn't like name him Naven or something. You know, just um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he had to have it planned because I because you know it, it just doesn't it or it'd be just such a massive uh, case of serendipity. You know, yeah, yeah, that, right. to get it to, to dovetail like that, but yeah. So, and and this is one of the questions. I, and although I am not a book reader, um, that I am curious is how much of the stuff that happens are they uh, changing are, are, and not changing? Uh, changing, not changing. Right. So, you know, we know that Sansa doesn't marry Ramsay in the books, and how much does that change that storyline? What's going to happen with Arya and her storyline? What's you know, there's all this stuff, and it's, it's, so it's a question of what plays out and what doesn't. So, oh, I, there's, um, there's some huge changes, Mike, because there's a, the griffs are completely written out. And, yeah, I know, I know. I, know, I, see, and, I know the stuff they wrote out. It's more the yeah. stuff that I know everything up till this point in the books that they changed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's what is the stuff that we hasn't written yet or hasn't been published yet. That's yeah. what I'm curious about. The stuff that we're seeing play out right now this season. Mm-hmm. You know, how much of that goes back um so we'll see i'm sure there will be a nice summary on the internet for you a day after the book comes out yeah that's true but they killed another dog <laughs> they did they killed they killed summer i mean i i mean killing hodor was bad but another another freaking wolf and not even a little wolf a real wolf well, yeah, but it seems to uh, – this is actually – this is something that uh, I picked up from Joanna Robinson on her podcast. Apparently, when the Stark kids fuck up, their wolf dies. <laughs> That's how that goes. Mm. Okay, so, right. So, we know that 
Uh, we know that John, not John Stark, Rob Stark fucked up, so Grey Wind died. Right. You know that... so Shaggy Dog, though, did did the kids really fuck up? Or I mean, well, we don't, we don't know. know if, we don't yeah. know if Shag- there's there's uh, there's some Shaggy Dog truthers out there that think that that was not yeah, that's that a good point. Head was not big enough to be a direwolf, and that Shaggy, Shaggy Dog lives. Fine. Shaggy Dog no. lives. I'm I'm a, I'm a Shaggy Dog truther. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and Sansa lost her wolf when she lied about what Joffrey did. Uh, I don't yep. think. Did she? Yeah, she tr- she tried. Uh, she lied to protect because they had the. the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's fair. Yeah, you don't have to go over it. I, I remember now. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, and then the other ones just ran away. Uh, areas just ran right, away. and we don't know what. Yeah, we don't know what happened with Nymeria. Yeah, we don't know what happened to right. her, and we don't know what happened. We and we don't know what happened to Shaggy Dog. And John know- Snow's dog's still alive, right? And and we know Ghost is there when they have the budget to put him in. Right. Um, right. Now the one thing is Pam said she for, she didn't realize he still had a dog. By the way, this, Pam is Mike's wife for all. Yeah, my times. wife is. Yeah, it's uh, yes. So someone actually grabbed this. Could you can you believe it? But um, <laughs> so uh, I was still expecting to be sitting on the shelf. But anyway, they yeah. So she said she didn't realize that he still had a, a wolf or that there was a wolf there. And so I don't know. Did they show? Uh, did they show Summer in this episode prior to him just coming in and going? I'm going to idea. save the. Oh fuck. Um. Well, you know oh. what, Mike? I don't know, but I I have to say, they 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 moved this story way too quick because they should have had pieces of it last season to fill it in. And so eh. I don't even remember if Summer was there when they first met the the the, the, the three eyed raven. Well, Summer was with them, but it's been two years since we did that, and yeah, and it's real. And the main thing is, for this episode, there should have been a shot of Summer before Summer just kind of, you know, does his Mighty Mouse routine. And here I come to oh shit, Breaking Bad, step, 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 step. But um, anyway, yeah, I mean, I don't even give a rat's ass about the wolves anyway. I mean, I mean, yeah, I love I love the wolves. I don't want them to die, but I mean, I, I that's because they're even, big wolves. If they were, I don't even really. Like, I mean, as characters in the in the show, they're so peripheral that I don't even remember them at ninety percent. The only one I ever really remember is Ghost, anyway, because Ghost is if they were always if they there. were dire if they were dire chihuahuas, then Phil would have a problem. Dire chihuahuas. <laughs> but my my point is is that they oh, Ghost is really the only one that has really been on screen all the time with true yeah you know yeah. so the other ones were like so peripheral I I never. Thought much of them, and they're not real. Well, the dogs. humans they're have been so peripheral. So, I mean, the dogs are even more so. Yep, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, but but well, we've just talked ten minutes about friggin' direwolves and, and their deaths and not when it's like not, it has nothing to do with the the final Game of Thrones and who's going to sit there. But right, that's all I meant. That's all I meant. Yeah. All right. So anyway, I. Phil, I got the sense that you weren't from from a comment you made on Facebook that you weren't fond of this episode. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was the weakest this season. I'll tell you why. I, I, it, not because anything ha- that happened in it pissed me off, or and it, it's just that, I, like we discussed, uh, like this whole scene, the whole backstory about the children, and not and the, how the White Walkers were created. It was so anticlimactic, and and it d- didn't explain how. 
they turned on the children. Maybe we'll we'll find that out through one of Brand's flashbacks, but it, it wasn't dramatic enough for me. And then all the rest of the stuff we saw through the whole episode was there was nothing that really it was. It felt just like an episode that was like the season, the first episode of of this season, which is just to move the story along a little bit, and then have this dramatic moment that just wasn't dramatic enough to me because it was like, oh, okay, but what? And then suddenly the attack, and I was like, okay. So, I don't know, I just didn't think it was as strong as the other four episodes as all. I didn't think it was a bad episode. Uh, I kind of understand what you're saying, but at the same time, I thought there were enough great moments in this episode that it made it worthwhile. I really liked uh, the scene with Littlefinger and Sansa, uh, and I really liked the Hodor reveal. Um, made me choke up. I felt really bad for Hodor. Yeah, I liked, and I, I agree. I think that it wasn't as good in the like the first flashback with the the secret origin of the Night King. I, that was that was thin. You know, it didn't didn't do much. And I'm assuming it's a seed that will pay off later. <clears throat> but it doesn't mean anything right now. Um, I really liked the scene with Sansa and Littlefinger. I did like the uh, a lot of the stuff in the Greyjoy scene, which I mentioned. Um, I liked the play segment of the Arya scene, and then the final sequence. I mean, it, while it's not quite uh, hard home, I wasn't expecting anything like that because I expect, oh, he touched you, he can find you now, dumbass. And it's like, all right, and you see them packing up, and you go, okay, so we're going to leave. And then an episode or two down the road, the Night King will be pursuing them. Nope, he's there now. Um, I, and so, and it just was a complete shock to me that he, that uh, Mira runs outside and sees the, the white army. And that really took me off guard, and it probably added to sort of her to my kind of channeling what she was going through in that panicked, holy fuck, I got to get out of here. Right. Now, um, let me ask you this, Mike. The thing that bothered me, I mean, I mean, we had two huge deaths, obviously, Hodar and uh, the Three-Eyed Raven, both peripheral to who's going to sit on the, the throne. Who was that, Mike? And Summer. Yeah, Summer. <laughs> but, but still important characters in a sense. Um, um, you know, so... You know, uh, I, I thought that the whole thing with the, the Raven from two years ago and then having him in maybe three or four episodes this season just wasn't enough to get an understanding of what the hell all that was about. Well, and I think yeah, that's I, the whole point, though, Phil, uh, is that there, there was supposed to be this long period of time where the Three-Eyed Raven was getting Bran up to speed and prepping him and, you know, doing the Dagobah thing. But what are they prepping uh, and, him for? We've never, we, in other words, well, and that's exactly the point is that we don't know, uh, and we'll never we know? know. Because we're, I mean, if we're following the Brand character, we, in theory, should, you know, if this was a book, we would be seeing what Brand sees and understanding what he's thinking and all that, and we would know that okay, this is what this is all about. But if we were also following Brand in a book, we would also know that we didn't know. And that the Three-Eyed Raven hadn't told us, and that we'll never know because we fucked up and brought the Night King to us. Uh, and it's really just, it's, it's all Bran's fault. If Bran hadn't been a little fuck and gone off in the vision of his own, everything would have been fine. Well, let me rephrase what I mean, is, is that we didn't have a scene where we have 
Max wants Otto to sit down and say to Brand, this is who I am. This is why I'm important. This is why you are here and why you're important. And this is why these children of the forest are important. And so we, I've, I still don't know who the three-eyed raven is supposed to be or what the point was. I mean, we're going to probably find it out. But if we were following Bran, we should know already if it was... I, I, I think you're wrong on that point. I don't. Okay. See, uh, Mike, Mike, thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Right, well, let me put it this way. I think if you read the stuff about the show, scratch that, read the stuff about the books, you'll get information about who the Three-Eyed Raven is. Mm-hmm. I think if you just watch the show, you they, they haven't really laid it out well for you. And I'm still assuming that there'll be a payoff at some point and we'll get a better understanding. Mm-hmm to how this all comes together. But I also thought that with Lost, and that didn't work out so well. Uh, the speaker of the devil, the director of this episode, Mr. Bender, was, was a Lost the, the, Well, yeah, he was. He did the most episodes of Lost. Yep. But anyway, continue. So, um, uh, so yeah, that's, that's that. I think I got an idea that he's Yoda, and he went to find, that he's got powers, and he had to go find... The three-eyed raven was Yoda, and he had to find Yoda, and he had to go to Dagobah to complete his training. And then, like Luke, he kind of ran off in the middle of it, but he's never going to get a chance to go back to finish his and complete his training. But, so, Mike, there's one, one thought that you said, which is we knew why he was going to see Yoda to become a Jedi. Yeah. And, well, here we have no idea why he went to the raven, and we don't know what the raven was. was. Well, we knew it was to refine his powers, but what was his purpose? Right. In other words, what's right, the point what of the? Yeah. What's the purpose besides the narrative purpose of us maybe finding out, you know, who Jon Snow's real parents are? What's the narrative purpose of us going back in time? You know, um, in terms of what's the of giving him that power? What's the you know na- now the narrative purpose of the war game? People are, are kind of assuming that. We're going to be ending with some some dragon warging. Well, and another thing too is is that besides having the children there and they have created the White Walkers and all that other stuff, the Three Eyed Raven isn't this all powerful being in the sense that he's been a hermit. In other words, he's more like a Tom Bombadil rather than a Gandalf, if you you want to use that analogy. So. It, which is surprising because I was expecting him to be more of the Gandalf, like this is why we're here and we're going to do this and this, and and we weren't introduced that or given that information. At the same time, does it really surprise you that Game of Thrones decided not to go that route? Well, to get, uh, and what, what give us the information? Right. Yeah, I see. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I would have figured they would have gave us a little more. I, I mean, I bet you're in the books. If Martin had written them, he would have gave us that information. And we would have saw Bran understanding the things, and we go, "Oh, that's cool. All right, now we understand it." And who this? What the point is? So, well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, as often happens, um, that it will that we'll we'll know when it's time to know when the events play out. Right. And so I'm hoping. I'm hoping it comes there. It may not. Um, but there has to be a reason for Hodor's story to make a sacrifice. There has to be a reason for, you know, the other Reed brat to have died saving Bran. Um, right. You know, and all this stuff. There has to be a reason that Summer is sacrificed. Why is Bran? 
And why is he important? Besides, now we know he's a warg and he's a, a time walker and he's Doctor Who and whatever else. And, he, and he's a Stark. And he's and a Stark. Other... Right. Where Where is this all going to come to? And I don't know that. And I think that's part of the problem is that because this has been one of the, the, the weaker subplots going all the way back to season three, right? Where we just watch them wander around heading north. We're just heading north. And we didn't really have a clear, why are they heading north? Where are they going? What's the purpose? You know, once they got, because they, they escaped from Winterfell and they stopped being Theon's hostage. And, yeah, I don't I don't know there's been a great purpose to that. And there's some don't there's some great stuff that's happened in, in the story of the season. But I'm still trying to slot it all in, really, as to why they needed to use him. And, you know, like I said, I'm willing to be patient and, let, and let's see how it plays out. But and, I can understand and, others who aren't. No, and, and that's fair, Mike. That's fair. I, I think you summed it up uh, exactly how I was trying to communicate it. As so, yes, you spoke for me. Uh, All right, say, I mean, like I said it's not bothering me yet. It will bother me if I don't get a good explanation by the end of the season series. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm there. I think it's. I understand your frustration, but I think it's too early to assume we will not be given an explanation. Right, right, and that's that's what I think Mike was hoping and 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 alluding to. So, I, I, I think, and, and I'm, I, I think, um, based off uh, the quality of the show and, and the writers and the, and the the showrunners, um, I, I, I think you're probably right there. Yeah, but but this is what I've said before, which is there. Past episodes, past seasons, where I was frustrated, and then rewatching it, it all makes much more sense because I see where they're going with it, and I couldn't see it then, and it just felt like they were they were dawdling. And like in this episode, what's the point of the red woman? Why is she talking? What's you know what's this moment? This in Marine, it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. And maybe you know when she gives uh, Varys his dick back in episode nine. I'll go, oh, that's what that was all about. And it'll matter, but we'll see. Yep. No, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, Mike, even in a further note, um, what do the gods have to do with any of this? Because, you know, I mean, we, we've seen some well, red it's witches. Got, it's got to do, got to do with it. Well, and well, actually, my question with the gods is why is it there's only one god that seems to have any 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 ability to do a damn thing. Because the one and true God and all the rest are fake. <laughs> it's the one and true God who demands all the heretics be set, fed to the flames. There's one God. He's not a necessarily. God, and the he's a fucking crazy God. <laughs> a lot, no, not necessarily true. A lot of religions have, have bastardized the books of, of uh, their religion and, and done terrible things in the name of the book, even though the book does not say to do that. Right, but I'm just like, I'm thinking, like, if I'm... Um, if I'm God, uh, that's a and, thought. Yeah, but not a stretch. So, uh, <laughs> I, and I got and I got people out there saying, you know, throwing people into the flames on my behalf, and I'm like, no, I didn't say that. But then they say, oh, by the way, could you do me a favor? Could you bring this get this guy back from the dead for me? I'm thinking, I'm saying no. But you, it could be that I'm not, I'm not doing miracles be, for you. It could be well. That's the thing. It's well. I see your point too. I mean, yeah. All right. It is what it is. Or it could just be magic, and it's all bullshit. <laughs> Ooh, but yep. anyway, uh, any further thoughts of this episode? The door. Any th- further thoughts? Anyone? 
costume. Uh, I probably liked it better than Phil. Um, I thought it was a pretty solid episode overall. And I, uh, I really, really loved the way they, uh, they did the Hodor thing at the end. Oh, we did forget, um, Amira actually killed one of the White Walkers. She oh, that's a, right. Yeah, like, what I'm pretty spear. sure that was a drag, I'm pretty sure that was a dragon glass spear. Right. Yeah, exactly. Dragon glass spear. Yep, exactly. So, um, so for, for me, this was my second favorite episode of the season. Um, and, you know, with episode, three being the one I like the most. Uh, but, you know, I'm still waiting for bigger and better, and I'm so sad for Hodor. Yep, yep. Um, for me, uh, yeah, it was still a solid episode. Uh, I just didn't like it as much as the other four episodes of this season. Um, but, all in all, um, the show's great. We'll miss uh, Max Wansaito and uh, the guy that plays Hodor. Uh, next week is called Blood of My Blood. Uh, this one will be directed also by Jack Bender. Um, and that comes out next week. So uh, I'll be curious to see how that one... Uh, this one's actually written by Brian Cogman rather than um, Benioff and Weiss. Yeah. So, but we'll discuss who Brian Cogman is next week. No reason to today. Very well. With that stated, I can wrap it up. So, uh, Eric... Why don't you lead us out? All right. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us talk about episode five of season six, The Door. Come back next week. We'll be talking about episode six of season six. (laughs) 